Test, 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 test. Testing. Testicles. Again. <laughs> Testies. You know, that joke was old a year ago. I've been doing that to check mics since the first time I ever was in front of a microphone. <laughs> I haven't stopped. New content. Not old content. People will not listen if you keep talking about your fucking testicles. testicles. Um, I like this new recorder daily, and we're... <sighs> We're really... Um, it's a new piece of deck. We're, well, we're adjusting, we're adapting to the uh, the new envir- environment. Do you pronounce the N in environment? Uh, only if you're a douche. No, Is, I'm kidding. I, I don't uh, know. I don't even... Are you a douche? Am I a douche? Environment. 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 Yeah. <laughs> if you think about that, folks. Environment. Um, wait, I got to start the thingy. What thingy? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh. I just like to know how long we're going. I just want to make sure this is actually recording. Okay. Yes, it is. Right. So, yeah, I picked up this little, the Zoom, another Zoom recorder, which allows me to onboard various effects, and it will give you the opportunity to sing um, the Recovery in the News song uh, the way the fans have appreciated hearing it for all this time. Where are you going? You know, if you if you speak into the microphone, so, it's a better show. <laughs> so yes, so we I came over here right to yes. do the show this week like yes. usual, and the first thing that happened when I walked in the door, you were like, "How's your back?" And I'm like, "Why is he asking me how my back is?" And it turns out you wanted to move a 500 pound piece piece of furniture from your living room. Correction. Down into your basement. Correction. My wife wanted us to <laughs> remove a piece of furniture into my basement. I'm like now, I, all the times that I had you over to record in my house, you did never, I ever ask you to move an extremely heavy piece of furniture? It was like moving a piano. I just assumed since you had three sons that they probably, you moved everything yourself at, at home. I, I do. I, they don't do anything. I, on the other hand, only have weak, small children and, <laughs> and my wife to help me. So well, I'm, I'm happy to help you move bodies into the basement. I, I don't know what's in that <laughs> trunk. I don't want to know, you know. Look, Christy was asking me yesterday. We were sitting there looking at that gigantic, uh, it's an old, um, what is it, a coffee table that we're trying to get rid of. You know, we're moving. She's got a new one. What blah, coffee blah. table weighs like 150 pounds? It's ridiculous. It is. And it, it's weird because it's not one of these like, oh, it's really high quality. That's why it's, um, you know, heavy. It's just heavy. Well, it's solid wood. It's solid wood. It's that. just made like shit. It's, it's a crate and barrel. And Anything uh, you know. that my wife has ever insisted that I buy from Pottery Barn or Crate and Barrel. It's garbage is, furniture. It's a, a piece of gar- overpriced yeah. garbage. The bedroom furniture we got like 10, 12 years ago. It's just, yes, horrible. And they are not advertisers, clearly. <laughs> no, nor will they ever be. Nor will people never <laughs> accept their blood money. Um, so uh, I think we should start. Okay, ready? Let's go. And we're back. <laughs> Welcome to Rec- what the fuck is this? Yeah. All right. Let's go. Let's do it. We're getting funky. Oh, that was awesome. 
And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm that X. I'm Mikey. And boy, do we have a show R. for you. Today on RMA, it's Nat and Mike in the morning. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, we're going to talk about Stutz. It's this great new documentary series on Netflix. Um, so we're going to discuss... Uh, everybody's talking about it. <laughs> two things. Yep. One, is it really great? And two, it's not a series. It's it's, it's a great one. new series. It's one show. <laughs> it's a movie. It's a series of shots on a screen <laughs> moving from good good. It's a it's a documentary, not a series. Right. I stand corrected. And um, it's really interesting. We're going to talk about it. It is interesting. All this and more today on a very special edition of our. M A, and how are you, sir? Uh, I have bruises all over my body. Yes, we we had quite a weekend. <laughs> yes, we did. Um, you started the weekend by doing your Norman Rockwell shit up in Connecticut. Oh, we'll get into my entire thing. My day start. My weekend started Thursday. Yes, and uh, did not end until it all culminated <laughs> in a uh, paintball battle. Yes, so for we, our lives. So working backwards from Sunday, I guess, um, <clears throat> we took Noah and Ben paintballing on Sunday afternoon. Mm. Uh, if you go out east on Long Island, uh, there's a town called Calverton out there where it's a lot It's a lot of trailers and guns and yeah. methamphetamine. It's and like the Midwest. Kind of it's yeah. like Alabama on Long Island. In your own backyard. In your own backyard. Not that, I, not that there's anything wrong with Alabama. Um, it's just, you don't expect it anyway. So apparently, and here's the thing that I didn't realize having only played paintball once in my life prior to this weekend, people take paintball very, very fucking seriously. Oh, yeah. Did you know this? I, uh, it appeared that way. Yeah, for sure. So we show up at this place and it's basically a couple of manufactured homes in the middle of this dirt field. And the field has like, uh, they call them maps, which are like. I don't know what you call that, like a, a field of play. Well, there's several different yeah, ones. Some it, of them have old tires stacked right. up as like things it, you can hide behind. Some of them have set. little how It's a set. Right, right. It's like okay. a movie set. And uh, so we pull up, you know, and we get out with our little, you know, with our little coats on. And, our, <laughs> our little, and I look around and everybody else there who has come to play paintball is decked out in camouflage. Oh, yeah. They have these AR-15 looking guns. They had their own guns. They, one guy had a sniper rifle. Yeah. That's definitely the guy that kept hitting me within the first thirty seconds. Well, and they had the some of them had like little communication yeah. devices, like they would they run drills know. and they like yeah. meet up beforehand and they tailgate and it's crazy. It's like a whole world of yeah. these people shooting each other with paint. And 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 yet, for all of the semi professionalism, the pungent odor of marijuana <laughs> seemed to permeate the parking lot. That shit was Did you dank. notice that some it dank was, weed? So. I guess all these, and, and I think I was the oldest guy there by probably 20 years. Um, yeah, there wasn't anybody north of, yeah. I, like, there was a bachelor party group in their 30s. That That's was what there. that was? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Those are the ones that kept going up to Ben going, hey, you little man over here is yeah. an animal. He's an animal. <laughs> so, so you want to take a shot? Not, nice guys, though. They were in a, in a jolly mood. Yes. So in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have dressed Ben up in a neon orange coat, which is really the antithesis of what you want in a in a paintball. I think scenario. he survived so long because they thought he was like one of the refs because he had the, the <laughs> yeah, orange. They, the they orange just didn't fire at him. Plus, like 
it's like a bunch of 30 year old guys and, and Ben is clearly like between the ages of 10 and 12 and I guess they figured they weren't going to drill the guy yeah and, but the, you know and then Noah too who you know is, appears to be like a little girl because he has long hair so first impressions by um, the guy people working these you know behind the counter they they don't know they see long hair they think it's, it's like here you go sweetheart <laughs> you know <laughs> I, always, I look at Noah I'm like I don't know <laughs> and uh yeah so they uh they lasted longer than I did in in the uh in the game. Well, yeah, you and I I mean yeah, they 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 lasted longer. I I, I remember during like the third game, you know, I was still in and I looked out over the corner of my eye and all I saw was you like it looked like you were taking a dive over a fence. Yes. And you know, clutching your your, oh man! Did your limbs in pain, and I'm like, "What the fuck happened to him? Like, why is he falling down?" <laughs> that like, was bad. I actually, I did really decently as far as not getting hurt for the the first several that we did, and it was on the last one. You know, like I would last, let's say, thirty seconds to a minute before <laughs> I would feel myself. I and mean, you're supposed to—it's an honor system, so you get hit. You know, you have to dip out, oh. and I was excited to leave the field of battle, but um, on the last one. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to like kill somebody here, shoot them with paint, and uh, you know, metaphorically kill them. Right. Kill their spirits. Did you hit anybody? No, of course not. <laughs> yeah, so either. I came out, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I started to feel shot. Because I don't know if anybody out there has done this, but it's like a bee sting that doesn't last that long. <laughs> well, let's call it Unless, a wasp sting. It's, it's like a wasp sting. It hurts. And um, so you know when you get hit. I got hit in the back, mm-hmm. then the butt. And then like three or four shots to my legs. Yeah. And and I was I went into fight or flight mode. And I was like, oh shit. And I was <laughs> flailing my arms in the air. And in order to get out, it, you know, there's like a, a neon, what is it, green or yellow? Yeah, like uh, the rope or the something. The rope. Yeah. And it's just about a just about waist high. And something inside me was like you got to dive over this thing. You got to leap. I could have just rolled, but I was like, I got to get out of here. I'm going to be killed. And anyway, I, I misjudged the height of <laughs> the height of the the uh, rope. I hit it. I went tumbling. <laughs> that's I, what I folded saw. in half backwards. I think that's about the size of what I think that's what exactly happened yeah, right okay yeah. and then you you said ben is like right there he's still in the field he turns, are you okay and i'm like i roll up i'm like oh, i'm good i'm good <laughs> and uh i don't i mean i feel okay today i thought i would be crippled for months well ben and noah were talking about you know how many confirmed kills that they got you know they were very excited about it and uh it was all i could do to hide and stay alive yeah you know and then the one the one game the last game uh it was down to very few people on each team. Yeah. You know, a lot of people went home. Why did you know. I get hit in the... Like, how did they get behind me? I don't understand. Well, I, I, I have a similar question because I'm hiding. I'm literally hiding behind this thing, yeah. taking the occasional shot. And some guy comes up on my left. It's that... It was that Hispanic guy who was like really... He was like, really good. Yeah, he was like a sniper. With the... Yeah. And, he's, you know, he was speaking in Spanish over his little walkie-talkie headpiece to his <laughs> buddy. And they, so they triangulated on me. <laughs> and I got hit and I stood up. And I raised my hand, which is what you're supposed to do to surrender. You're not supposed and to flail. they kept fucking shooting, and they, they hit me like five more times. I was like, do, do, do. Yeah, they must have gotten me, too. Because um, I was clearly I have, out. I have these huge fucking bruises you got all bruises, over my yeah, body. My man. leg is all fucked up. Yeah, but it was a good time. I, <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know, you know, how how often I'm going to be doing that Once in the a future. month, yeah. as our children have declared. Yeah, well, now Ben's all excited about it. And I'm wondering, like, how that would be to do high 
because clearly <laughs> I mean, a lot of people were high because yeah. it really sm- smelled like weed they in must, the parking lot. It must enhance the experience somehow. <laughs> I guess. I mean, like in the jungles of Vietnam or something yeah. instead of the, the muddy fields of Calverton, Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they appear. And if you watch those guys move, like the guys that lasted were really treating it like they were behind enemy lines. At, at yeah. war, yeah. their lives were in, in the hanging in the balance. Like it was amazing. It's it's almost like live action role playing. It, it is. I would say this is it's like larping. Larping. I think they call that right. right? For it, it was like Call of Duty larping. Yeah. Um, and so that was the culmination of a weekend that for me started on Thursday. Oh. Uh, so Thursday night we had tickets to see my favorite uh, musical performer of all time, Martin Sexton playing uh and he's a folk you look him up he's amazing mm-hmm. uh and he just he's amazing that's all i can say about it and we had front row seats it must have been a birthday thing that i got or christmas or something and uh and so that was thursday night and we were out we had the babysitters come you know my my parents and i took friday off because every year my family goes up to the north pole express in essex connecticut which is this uh i guess i talk about it every year but uh, if you guys know, we get in our pajamas. Everybody wears the matching pajamas. We get on this train. It's all decked out like Christmas. It is some shit to behold. Santa Claus shows up. Mrs. Claus shows up. The kids are singing songs. There's an, an elf lady who leads the whole thing. And it's, it's so wholesome. Yeah. It's, and it's, and like, I look at these pictures. I'm like, bleh. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely have to lean like, into the mm, black. I can taste the peppermint from here. It's it's that kind of thing. And at some point early on when we started doing this, I'm like, I'm just going to have to lean into this one. I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> I mean, it looks like a lot of fun. It is. I, I, I tease, but, I, it, but I'm really secretly jealous. It's that very that. sticky. <laughs> it's very... And then we stayed at, the, uh, at a hotel in uh, Mystic, Connecticut, which is really nice. Um, and, uh, and so we're supposed to cut down our Christmas tree. We talked about this before, Mm. like we actually had a good time doing it. So we had a big plan to do that. I'm not seeing a Christmas tree. No. Well, it was raining. (laughs) Right. uh, Not only raining, but it was fucking pouring. It was raining sideways. It was (laughs) pouring. And this kind of ruined, uh, that whole idea, but we saved it and we instead went to Mystic, uh, the aquarium, which is Really a nice, a beautiful aquarium. Mm. And I think we saved the day, um, but we did not get the tree. Mm. And walked around Mystic Village, and they have all of these cute little shops. And uh, and it, that was. And then Sunday we came back to, um, uh, I had church in the morning, and then I had pageant practice where it was the three kings. And you had a my, very full weekend. And then I got back from that, and I went straight to... Paintball. Paintballing. And so that was my weekend. So pause for photo. Pause okay. for photo. Any case, so no, so the uh, it was just busy as hell. The cutting down your own Christmas tree thing is great. Uh, I did it exactly once, and it was probably about ten years ago. Yeah. I, had a, I had a mild hangover. I drove out somewhere out in Cal Calverton, out, you were out in Hickton, you know, in the, the Hick lands. And because uh, the kids wanted to cut the tree down, right? It is also pouring rain so you did it in the rain i did it in the pouring rain the kids are miserable standing around the tree that i picked to cut down was one of those ones where the needles are so sharp that it's like a cactus like if you move your hand near it it's bad so i cut the fucking tree down did you saw it right you guys saw it saw it it. dragged it back the guy charges me 109 dollars for the tree i take it home i put it in the stand it's dead in the middle (laughs) 
I have to replace it a week later, and I, and we haven't done it since. Although Jack has been pestering me this year, he's like, "We have to go cut down a tree." I'm like, "He's like Mr. Fucking Christmas. He's 16 years old. He should be running around, you yeah, know, with his friends smoking weed." But he's he's like, you know, That's... he's put a wreath on his door and everything. Ah, I, you know, I, yeah, he's I, a mensch. He's a, he's a mensch. He's, he's a good a kid. He's a great kid. But uh, yeah. So, so that was the weekend. That was the weekend, and, um, and that's basically—it's only been a week since we've last been together here recording a podcast. Yeah, I'd just like to say that I'm enjoying this um, getting together, uh, you know, more frequently. We blasted out those three shows, and I felt good about that. Getting that content out there, it looks like people are still listening. So, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thanks. Um, and you know, coincidentally. Um, you know, I had said before, maybe we'll only do shows when there's something interesting I want to talk about. But uh, there's been a lot that I want to talk about um, lately. Um, and so the show, we're, the movie we're talking about, uh, Stutz, I think came up. And Wait, was, are we moving into that yet? Um, Already? Not necessarily. Okay. All right. Because you wanted to probably talk about Soberling. I, yeah. As I'm looking for the script to read. But you know what? Why don't you talk a little bit about Sober Together, who is not a sponsor, but has actually become like an app that both of us have been using that has started as an obligation and that has surprisingly, to me, morphed into something that I look forward to doing every day. So. Yeah, me too. Um, so the Sober Together app, again, not a sponsor, but um, it was suggested that I try it. Um, Dave from Dopey, I think they're a sponsor on his show. and. And he recommended it to me and said, yeah, you should try it. It's really cool. And maybe you're, the monsters will like it and, you know, participate. And I started to do it. And I feel the same way. It started out like, ugh, I hate myself on video. And, um, and now it's, it's like it mimics like a check-in with a sponsor or just when we used to go to meetings in person. And just to, I don't know, there's something about it. Uh, and it's these two minutes, I think two minutes max, just little check-ins. Yeah, you hey, check in, you in doing? the morning, yeah. Um, you know, there's a topic you can comment on if you don't know what to say. The, uh, I mean, it's kind of annoying that it like auto plays like video right when you open the app. But yeah, if you're standing um, in line at Kroger's or something, like, and welcome you don't- to your sober <laughs> app. You know, when you're like, fuck, 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 yeah. and I'm trying to turn it off. Right. Um, but yeah, it's been really surprising that uh, it's helping me stay, you know, like conscious of my recovery and. And then support communities. Yeah. So recommend it. Yeah, and you can watch Nat and I talk uh, about our daily check-in every yeah. day. I, I want to do more on there. I think um, secretly that's what they want us to do is to actually do little clips and things that I mean, the monsters might want to listen to. It's so fine. I'm you just know, doing I, check-ins right yeah. now. Um, so check-in and then you get replies with videos. So if you do a check-in, your peers, you can set people up as your peers, and they make a video, like, reply to your check-in. It's really cool. You don't have to, though. You could just, you yeah. do it audio only if you, yes. if you don't want people to see what you look like Which I made, in the morning. I think I need to do that because my morning video's looking rough. I just roll out of bed and Ugh. just do it at, like, 5.30 in the morning, yeah. which and it looks like it. But you know what else we need to talk about? What? We need to talk about alcohol recovery in the workplace. Uh, talking about sobriety and proving it to your employer can be so difficult. And our friends at Soberlink want to help. If you need a reliable way to present documented proof of sobriety to a boss or a loved one, Soberlink can help. What is Soberlink? Soberlink is a high-tech, portable breathalyzer system. Well, it's actually more than that, isn't it? It's, it's software. It's the breathalyzer. It's a whole suite of tools that you could use. 
Um, it uses facial recognition technology to verify your identity. It has unique sensors to ensure that no other air sources are being used. And it sends the results directly to your specified contacts so there's no questioning whether or not you took the test and whether or not you altered the reporting. Who would ever alter the reporting of a breathalyzer test? Would you? I would never do that. Sorry. That's horrible. <laughs> That's why Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is considered the gold standard. Being in recovery from alcohol does not define the future of your career. Let Soberlink help. Learn more about Soberlink and request an exclusive $50 off promo code by visiting www.soberlink.com slash middle hyphen ages. Middle hyphen ages. I'm glad you said that because I have a friend who shall remain nameless who actually wrote to me yesterday because he had heard that we were, we had them as a sponsor and said, do you hear that? What? Oh, a little bit. It's just some uh, digital distortion. Okay. I think. Um, and he requested the link. He said, I've been court ordered to have a monitoring oh, dear. system. And I guess Soberlink locally is um, approved for that, maybe. I Are guess. they? They must Excellent. be. He maybe said, they have an agreement in place. Yeah. So he, he said, what's your... Uh, What's your affiliate link, you know, so I can sign up through your, so we could get a referral, but, um, you yeah, know, people are using it and it, it's, uh, I guess it's legal. It's with our, at least in New York, the court systems in this County. So yeah, check it out. Awesome. Okay. Awkward silence. Awkward silence. Yeah. Um, dead air. So, uh, <laughs> I think it's time to get on to the main topic of the night. Yeah, I love this. This is like an exciting. I got new sounds. Night show. Um, we're talking today about the Netflix. Oh wait, what? No, we're not. We have to do something else first. Okay, we have to hear from Ryan. Right. Sorry, Ryan. Yes, the great Rhina. All right, Rhina checked in, and we haven't listened to it. He texted me last night and said, uh, "What's the phone number? I want to leave a voicemail." I said, "Great," and he did. He left two, I think. One of them got cut off. Right, because it's only three minutes long. Uh, so we'll so if you, too, would like to leave a voicemail for us, you can do that by calling our number. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's 516-888. It is? Yeah. Shit. Um, 516-888-6297. That's 516-888-6297. We'll read it on the air. We'll uh, even we'll, play it. We're not going to read it. Why would we fucking read it? We wouldn't. We'll play it. Play it. Like we're going to play this one. All right. Here's Ryan. Right. Hey, monsters. It's Rhina Johnston. Real name, Ryan Johnston. Haven't really touched base much uh, in the past six months or so. If y'all have been paying attention, a lot of you guys know I was in Florida in like a 90-day AA immersion program. Uh, reflecting a year later, I don't know if I'm happy that I did it. I don't know if I'm mad that I did it. I just started feeling different. And uh, honestly, I was I was happy to get back to Chicago. You know, I didn't want to stay in Florida. It was the second time I had tried Florida to get better. The, uh, you know, the old timers in the big book say, you know, looking for that geographic cure. But man, I'm going to tell you, I'm still like really sick, guys. And, uh, you know, I just can't stop, man. And uh, every day I think it's like the end. You know, I think well, today's the day, you know, I'm like fucking, I'm just going to hit my knees and give up and surrender and 
detox or go to rehab or go to um, a psych ward or something. And to live like that where you're feeling like on edge all the time is just just a horrific way to live. And I know I'm one of the younger monsters, you know. And this is not something I want to do, man, when I'm 40 or 50 or any time. I don't want to do it now in my current age, my mid-30s. But I've just tried so many routes. I've tried rehab. I've tried all of that stuff so many times, man. And it's like... And it's like nothing seems to work, you know? And, uh, you know, I'm starting to get to that point where, like, I'm starting to think outside the box, like, do I pull an Aaron Rodgers and, like, do an ayahuasca ceremony or do I go the psychedelic route and do I ketamine therapy? And, you know, I'm not opposed to at least giving it a shot at this point. Probably not ayahuasca. It's a little intense for me, but ketamine therapy with a supervised doctor, big fat Xanax on hand in case things go wrong or calm me down, I think. Um, I think that would be more the route I'd go, but dude, I have to, I have to figure something out because I'm just so, I'm so tired of being sick, man. I'm in my mid thirties. I'm single. I have no kids. You know, I do work, but like, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to play the victim role here, but it just sucks because I just can't figure out how to get this thing fucking lit, man. And, uh, as time goes on, I watch all my friends, you know, I have little kids and stuff. It just kind of, it just paints a bleak picture, but look, man, I'm just happy. That they're doing the show a little bit more on a consistent basis. You know, we love you guys. The show has helped me so many times. I listened to it through the night when I couldn't sleep, detoxing. And I just want you guys to know that, like, you know, while you two have fun and you have a show together, it's it's also it's medicinal for, for me, you know, and I'm, I'm so grateful that I found it and I found the community. You guys are. Whoops, three-minute limit. Hold on. Yeah, he told me that it happened. Yo, guys, it's Ryan again. I, my bad, I got cut off. I was just kind of, uh, I was kind of ending it right there anyway. The point is that I'm just, I'm super grateful for RMA, Matt, Mike, Dopey, Dopey Nation, and uh, all the monsters and the Facebook group and the Discord and stuff. Y'all have been really helpful and supportive of me since day one, and, you know, I have a, I like sincerely do have a lot of gratitude for that, so thank you so much. And I just gotta stop being a fucking asshole and pull my head out of my ass and start getting shit done because excuses don't work anymore. And I just want to have a good life, peace, a little bit of content. And, you know, can't wait to keep listening to the show. You guys take care, and I love you all, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, you said it all right there. Um, thanks so much. Yeah, man, I remember being in that exact state of mind. I, I, I know exactly what you're going through. I know how you feel. And, um, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what, what to say or, you know, except to just don't give up. I mean, I found myself in dozens of situations feeling the way you did, the way you do now. And all I can say is there is no magic bullet. Um, maybe there's a white light experience out there for some people, but don't wait for that. You know, um, just, you got to keep doing the work. You got to believe in yourself. You have to, you just have to keep believing that it can get better. And that no matter how many things you try, like you went to that 90 day program. Great. It didn't do what we all wanted it to do. Fine. But you did it. And th that experience is going to inform your future recovery, whether it worked that time or not, you know, it, it will still be part of your, you know, your experience. It'll help you. 
Um, but the important thing is that you never say to yourself, this is it for me. You know, I can't go up from, you always can get better. Um, how to do that is, you know, yeah. uh, it's your journey. I mean, we do our best to discuss uh, as many ways as we know of the ways we tried, the ways that work for us. But it comes down to you. Your life is not like anyone else's life. Neither is mine like anyone else's. It's a very unique experience. And I think that's what we talk about a lot. Um, I don't know. What do you say, Mike? Well, so you've gone down the traditional road of recovery a few times. You've gone to to detox, which also which seems... Imp- I, I'm not exactly sure what you're using and stuff, but... Um, Whatever it is, you know, medical supervision is probably the way to go. What you do after the detox, though, you know, I mean, for me, I didn't start getting better until I stopped engaging with 12-step stuff because it just didn't fit my trajectory, right? And and so you've tried that a couple of times, and maybe that's not the answer for you. But one thing I would definitely suggest is, um, I, and I don't know what kind of healthcare insurance and stuff you have, but, um, you know, you need to get a hold of a therapist who specializes in addiction medicine. And maybe if you're really having trouble quitting, um, whatever it is, alcohol, opiates, you know, you need to maybe get yourself on some, some medication to, to assist with that. Um, like some buprenorphine or some naltrexone. I'm not a doctor, right? So I can't speak to your individual situation, but I, but if it were me, I, I would try maybe something more outside the box, you know, that's what helped me in the end. Yeah. After I tried everything, everything, everything. One, I finally, and again, this is just for me, um, what worked for me. But when I finally got that uh, addiction medicine psychiatrist at that rehab I was going to, mm-hmm. and I tried these these uh, medicines, um, it was uh, Camprol uh, and Naltrexone together, and it it was designed to keep my cravings down and help me to get through that six months so I could reset my daily behaviors without that crazy craving for everything. Yeah. And that's important. I mean, cause you know, you're, you're back in your, your home turf and you know, maybe it's really hard when you're in that situation where it's the same people in the same places and the same things to borrow an, an AA ism, um, you know, you, to break that behavior pattern. You know, maybe, maybe think about that. I mean, 90 days away in Florida is, is cool. You know, I'm sure they taught you a lot of AA type tools and and whatnot, but you know, at the end, when you come back to, to reality, you know, back to your home in Chicago, it's like, you still have the same friends. You still have, you know, hanging out with the same people and so on. And, And maybe you need to like, I don't know, become a hermit for a little while or something or stay, stay away from the folks that are, that are using with you. Um, but again, you know, I'm, I'm talking out my ass, Ryan, because I don't, I don't really know what your situation is. I mean, I see the stuff you put on Facebook, you're a fucking hilarious human being. I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, I really enjoy, you know, <laughs> a lot of the things that you post out there, but you know, I, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but I, I'll tell you this. I know that the, the people who eventually get it are the people that keep at it. Um, yeah. you know, it's ongoing. If you, if you stop trying, then, you know, you'll never get it. Um, I think, you know, today's episode might be really, uh, might be good also to, to help help you moving forward. This documentary has some very um, accessible ideas to kind of help uh, with some of the basics of just feeling better and moving forward. Uh, so thank thank you, Ryan. Um, it's great yeah, to hear from you. Yeah, we love you too, man. And we're, we're, we're pulling for you. And, you know, we're, 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 always, we're always here 
you know, and we and we support you 100. percent Yeah, and I know. I, I I always get get love back from everybody else in Munsterland. You know, when your name comes up, so you know you got a lot of people in your corner. So keep listening. All right, uh, and uh, with that, I think we're going to take a one minute break. Oh, and just reset the brain. And we'll be right back after these <laughs> words. Yeah. Okay. Oh. And we're back. We're back. <laughs> um, in a different audio file, surprisingly. Hmm. Hopefully that's not a thing. Anywho, uh, new tech, you know, it's funny. So uh, today we're going to uh, give our take on the documentary Stutz, mm. which is uh, uh, a, um, uh, a movie, a Netflix, Netflix. movie, mm. um, directed and put together by Jonah Hill, the actor. Uh, who is in conversation mostly for the entire time of the documentary with uh, yeah. leading psychiatrist Phil Stutz. Uh, they explore um, Phil and Jonah's early life experiences and their unique, his unique visual model of therapy. I'm just going to play a little bit of the trailer from Netflix. What's up, Stutz? Hi, Jonah. Okay, entertain me. <laughs> I'm just going to start by acknowledging how odd this endeavor is. A patient making a movie about his therapist. But my life has gotten immeasurably better as a result of working with you. If it worked for me, maybe it will work for other people. Gavin Shrink will say, don't intrude on the patient's process. They will come up with the answers when they're ready. That's not acceptable. They just listen. And your friends, who are idiots, give you advice. And you want your friends just to listen. <laughs> and you want your therapist to give you advice. You don't have to solve all their problems, but you have to give somebody the feeling that they can change right now. What's wrong, Jonah? How can I make a movie where I'm talking about people being vulnerable and working on their problems and not be vulnerable myself? You can't move forward without being vulnerable. Vulnerability connects you to the rest of the world. You're giving out the signal to the world, I need you because I can't do this by myself. I was this wildly insecure kid. The work has been accepting and feeling that it's great to be this person. You are still in the struggle and in the fight of being a human just like everybody else. Take action no matter how frightened you are. If you can teach somebody that, they can change their whole life. In a world. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> this is such a great moment right now. Okay. Yeah. You get the idea. Um, that just gave me chills. That was such good production. It is. It was it's, really it's a good trailer. I think Jonah Hill commands a bit of respect in Hollywood in terms of uh, the amount of money he can bring to a project, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. When you can make this sell, <laughs> to, you know, like, it's, it's really, really... Um, I really enjoyed it. I loved everything, just about everything about it. There's certain things I didn't like about it, which yeah. I'll get into, I but... A couple things. I really thought it was just great i loved the production i loved you know the interplay between the therapist and and this uh, psychiatrist and the way it's really really interesting but he touches on a lot of a uh, lot of great like modalities or it, it takes certain things that we've all 
you know, who've been in recovery. We've done these, we've heard these ideas, not just in recovery, but regular therapy. And really, Stutz is just kind of, it's a new way to, you know, to serve it up. You know, he's presenting it in a different kind of way. He is. And and Phil Stutz, who is the sort of the, the main protagonist here, is an interesting guy. He's a He was a former prison psychiatrist, uh, and he set up a, a practice, you know, uh, a therapy practice in L.A. in the 80s. Uh, and then he became sort of the mental health, uh, you know, favorite of, of, of Hollywood glitterari. Um, and he's author of the book called The Tools, which uh, is a self-help book that offers techniques to help you find uh, your creativity and your willpower and inspire you to live life in forward motion, as he says. Uh-huh. Um, and I was kind of, I was digging around on the Tools website a little bit yesterday in preparation for the show. And they do have a whole section of, of and he didn't really get into this in the documentary, but there is a whole set of tools that he has that are specific to addiction which I, th- I oh. thought was kind of interesting. So, um, but anyway, like Jonah Hill, who, who made the movie, I guess, had been going to therapy with Stutz for a number of years, right? And he, you know, I don't, I think you might remember like when this movie was originally came, when it originally came out, Jonah Hill made some kind of an announcement that he was not going to do any promotion for the movie because of his severe anxiety right. disorders. And he was going to kind of like, pull back from that Hollywood stuff because that was what was better for his mental health. And and I think one of the reasons that he made the movie in the first place was because, you know, he did, he worked with a lot of the tools that Stutz had and, and it really made a big difference in, in his life because, you know, every, anybody that remembers this guy from like uh, the Wolf of Wall Street and some of the early, his earlier movies, he was a big kind of super bad fat dude and, yeah. you know, kind of, kind of odd looking and, and he, and he internalized a lot of that. I mean, he's had a lot of body image issues since he was a teen. And, and like in, in one scene in the movie that was great, like he brought a huge cardboard cutout yeah. of himself as a four, as a really heavy 14-year-old. Part X, yeah. right? And and you, maybe you can describe what part X is in a second. But um, so, um, but, but if you look at him now, Jonah Hill, like... He's like, he's kind of ripped. He's got tattoos. He's got, you know, he looks like, he, he th- looks great. He looks you know? like a totally transformed human being. Yeah. So most of the premise of the movie is they, they sit across from each other and talk, presumably like they do in their therapy sessions. And, uh, and Stutz says, you know, so he'll can dump all his shit on him. Right. right? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, part X is like a big, a big deal. It's like the threshold thing that you have to recognize before you can engage in some of the tools. So what is, what's part X? Well, it, it kind of all, part X is, is part of, like I, what I think of as Stutz's basic like vision of the world we're living in. Like I think for it's important for a therapist or a psychiatrist to have some construct of the way they believe, you know, the universe and reality work. And so this is basically Stutz's understanding of the human condition and how we deal with the pitfalls and how we move forward and that sort of thing. Right. And so part of how he interacts with uh, his patients, from his words, is uh, he says the first thing he asks, and he's always differentiating himself from what he calls traditional uh, therapy, traditional psych- psychological working, right? Which you know he f- says is very hands off, you know. And uh, Jonah makes a, a comment about it in the trailer about how, 
you know, you go to your therapist and they sort of just listen. Right. Right. And then, but then for advice, you're going to your quote, idiot friends right? or your guys in AA, you know, so instead of <laughs> listening to the person, but part of the problem there is the, the, the therapist, like that they're not taking the role of the advice giver. They're, they're simply listening. And like Stutz says, they're like reflecting your, your own shit back right. to you. So Which, I don't know how helpful that is generally, right? Right. I, I mean, well, that's what he sort of, uh, that's what he sort of, you know, discovers, I guess, is he, he has this white light moment early on, I guess, and when he starts doing therapies, his professors will tell him, no, it's it's sort of like a non-interference, like Star Trek, you know. Yeah, the prime the, directive. The prime directive, yeah. right, that you don't interfere. But Stutz is saying, fuck that, that's ridiculous. He knew inside, he's like, I want to give... The person coming to see me, they're reaching out for help. Um, I need to give them something to help them move forward a little bit. Right. And and he says the first thing he does, he, he asks, what do you want and why are you here? Mm. Um, and then he, he wants to put it in the hands of the person seeking the help or being in that position. And part of that is this uh, tools. Now, the reason I don't want to talk about part X just yet is because the tools are what let you um, deal with part X. Right. So part X is is your your shadow self. See, I, he doesn't ever say that, but it totally it is. is. It's it's just straight it's your, Jungian right. shadow self. It's yeah. your shadow self. It's your inner, or what I what I've been calling the inner addict, or what Stutz says. It's the villain inside you that uh, is trying to fuck up your shit. Right. That's what he's. That's what he That's what he calls it. Right. And and he the way he, he puts it like a movie script. You know, like the hero's journey. Now the hero can't exist without the antagonist. It's almost like if you have his story, the, this is the antagonist. This is Darth Vader, right. and Luke Skywalker cannot become a Jedi and cannot progress to fulfill his potential until he meets Part X. Darth Vader defeats him and then has to return home with his uh, making that progress. You're talking about that scene in Return of the Jedi where he cuts the head off of uh, Darth Vader and he pulls the mask part off and it's his own face? Oh, yes, that, that's the most... Yeah, that man. scene when he's in the cave, right? Yeah. Um, and, but so, you know, so, right. So while you're wrestling with this uh, part X, you know, this, this, this shadow self, you find yourself trapped in the maze... Right, mm-hmm. you, which is you know it's it's that place where you get hung up on on your past trauma, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to find your way out of that maze, and and that's what you apply the tools to to do. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean, it, it seems like it's really big on visualization, right? Like his whole yeah. So his his whole modality, I guess you could say, is. Is he, he first? He identifies your part X, right? Right. You identify your part X, and that's the thing that tells you you can't do it. It's your inner addict that you can't ever remove it. But important to the part X uh, idea is something that he says: there are three things that we always will deal with at some level. Three aspects. Three. Yes. And and the triangle of pain in life is pain, uncertainty, and constant worry. Constant work. Uh, yeah, are you sure it's not constant worry? Yep, constant work. Constant work. Thank you, Siri. Pain, uncertainty, and constant work. And there's those three things. Once you accept that your life will involve interacting with these problems in at some level, 
um, that that this is what you need to understand. Right, and because, that's your part X. And, that's what you're right. And because, but you have to accept that because right. you know it makes people nuts because. You'll say like, oh, I, I've done everything possible. I've succeeded and I'm still depressed. I'm still insecure. Right. I wake up, I feel like shit. Yeah. And why, why am I not free of that stuff? And the answer is that you're human and it's a normal part of being human. This is part of it. And, and it all goes, goes to your, your part X and, and dealing with that pain. And so when these things come up in your life, which they will, like he basically guarantees you will have some pain, you will have uncertainty, you will have to do constant work. Then he says, these are opportunities in your life to right. grow, to like sharpen your, your you know, the edge. Um, can I, can I yeah. just say something like um, that? I was, I was reading an interview with him, you know, and, and he said this, he said, happiness is not an accomplishment. It's a process. And one of the biggest parts of that process is fending off part X. Right. That's the beauty of the tools. I think they give you something to do. And if you're not doing it, at least you're fucking up. At least you come to that level of awareness. I think that's where he differs from Young because Young would say, you don't fend off your part X. You integrate your part X with the rest of your personality. And I, I was kind of surprised that he, in that interview he used the term fending off as mm. if it's like something that's separate and apart from you rather than something that you need to, to embrace. Yeah, he, he he definitely personifies part X as this villain. Yeah. Or think of your addiction doing push-ups in the uh, parking lot, as they always say. Okay. Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Time to replace that light bulb. Yeah, my light bulb was... <laughs> Um, yeah, this part X, it, it, it's think of it as like, um, you know, the bad guy in a movie. And so is it you know, really your shadow or is it not like, is it, a, is it different from the Jungian shadow? Because mm. I, I, I don't know, is there really a part of you, like a negative part of you that you can excise or, or well, keep he says, at arm's length? He says he, you can't and that it's, he's like accepting that this is always there. So it is okay. always a part of you. You're just trying to keep it at bay and use its, uh, use the negative aspects of it to sharpen the good parts of yourself. So similar to like rational recovery where you like identify the addictive voice in your head as like the beast. They yeah. Call it, that's right? your part X. That's your part voice. X. Okay. Um, but then he gives tools. So this is where the tools come in. Right. <laughs> so he's, he calls these uh, a tool is according to Stutz, uh, something that can change your state immediately. Uh, it takes an experience that is normally unpleasant and turns it into an opportunity. That was a quote from him about speaking of these, uh, the things that Pardex brings to you. The cards for him, uh, and he's talked about being a visual learner and understand uh, in the way he understands things, which I am as well. And he says, uh, these note cards is a real-time visual visualization tool that takes place in your head. The cards turn big ideas into simple images. And so it's, he sketches yeah. out the tool, each tool. On a card, or in ca in the case of his book, I'm sure they're like. Yeah. But but throughout the movie, he's just writing them out on these little little uh, index cards. Yeah, they're cool. It, it is cool. It's right. um, also interesting that he uh, he's he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease yeah. many years ago. So his, his the way he draws these things out, they're extremely like yep. sketchy and it reminds um, me of Doctor Katz, that cartoon from the '90s that was on. Uh, 
What, it's the all of the wavy, shaky lines yeah, yeah, the entire yeah. time. Yeah, it, um, but that's not on purpose because he's no, suffers from he Parkinson's. Parkinson's but, yeah, yeah. But so, so he he writes out the individual tools, and and there's a lot of them. They go into a few in the movie. Like which which, which ones like stuck out? Is that where you're going next? Uh, no, um, okay, I was going. trying to remember. <laughs> I was trying to remember. There, he puts the shadow part. In any case, um, and so we have these tools. Um, and, and the tool is a bridge between what you realize the problem is and the cause, uh, and the cause and the action is how we move past it. Um, so that takes him to, uh, yeah. What was one of those cards? Cause I'm remembering it, but I, I can't, uh, it's like he moves that shadow from here to here. And, uh, I don't remember yeah. the specific uh, a lot of the specific but tools. That he, he goes used into the, movie, the life force. The life force is a big part of this. Right. Self restraint preserves your life force. It, in, it, in, it increases your life force. And what part X is tempting you to do by giving into your impulses is trying to steal your life force. So when you hold an impulse back, that lower greedy energy gets transformed into a higher giving energy, which increases your life force. Right, and and his tools all go towards what he calls is activating this life force. And again, mm-hmm. he's using visualization uh, to explain this. And so he draws a pyramid uh, to, to kind of explain it. This is on his note card. So we can visualize. He's got three parts of your life force that you can use tools to affect immediately. Right. And he breaks it down very simply. He he lists he says these three parts of these if you can picture a triangle divided into three uh, three parts he says there's the physical body oh yeah there's other people mm-hmm. and the relationship with yourself and if you think of your life force in those three parts uh, it gives you um, basically a map on what you can try to do right now yeah. to change you know. Move a muscle, change a thought yeah. type of thing. So if you start with like your physical body, I mean, what are some obvious ways that you can positively affect your physical body part of your life force? Like right now. Exercise. You could, Oops. You could do that. <laughs> you could stand up and you could jump around. Right. Get your blood. Just like I did before this, uh, before the thing. I, I jumped around a little bit. I listened to some music. I'm trying to get my life force up. And well, pe- that can make you feel better. It right can. Away. People, a lot of people... Don't like to hear that um, that rigorous exercise is really good for your mental health because people don't like to do it. But I think, and and I think this came out in the movie. Like any therapist will tell you, like the first the first thing that the prescription that they will give you is to go for a walk, yeah, go for a run, take get to get some regular physical activity because it. And it, I always poo poo it too. It, but it changes your your your. Your brain chemistry it changes your the 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 way that you look at stuff as you're doing it. I mean, it's it's I think it's it's vitally important. But I don't even think he's saying you have to be even rigorous. Like that's that's what they always tell you, right? And it does work. You know it. You run. I ran. It's, it helped my it's anxiety. An integral part of my recovery. It is. But he's dealing with the person, and, and he says he paints a picture which of of a patient that is in a place where they have no life direction. Mm-hmm. And this is part of how he helps uh, you. If you f- And I've been there, too, where if you don't know what your life's purpose is, your life's direction, like what you're supposed to do next, this is your entree into finding that. Or, you know, if you don't know what else to do and you're feeling shitty, you can start with 
just move change your physical body yeah um, make your diet better right do something positive for you even if it's stand up right now like everybody out there stand up and do 10 jumping jacks <laughs> right and, and feel how that changes your your feelings and it, it just gets things going i mean is it do you think it's significant that he put that as the base of the pyramid because it's it seems like it's it's the most elemental thing to do yeah, your physical body is the base from which your brain it's operates, the base from, your soul. For everything. Right. So if your physical body is fucked, you yeah. know, your your brain's going to be fucked. But it doesn't mean that you have to start running six no. miles a day. It no just one's means saying that. Anything. Like anything. Stand up and play darts. Like stand up and wave at your neighbor. Like whatever it is. I mean, I would I would argue that the more, I don't want to use the word intense, but the more active you are, the more benefit you'll receive. I mean, standing up will... Change your perspective yeah. in, a, in a little bit. Going for a walk around the block will do it even more. And going for a run around the block will do, do it even more. And taking that further is doing that every day gives you a routine. And it like, does. So all of these things speak to that, that lower part of the pyramid of the life force, that you can access your life force. You do that. Because he does 70, he does 80, what did he do? He, this guy has Parkinson's and he's doing 85 push-ups a day. Yeah. Because he understands. And, you know, thinking back, even though I wasn't operating under this triangle idea and on all of that in the life force, over the pandemic, one of the ways that I, like, I, I had part X coming at me. Yeah. Right? Part X was saying to me, it's a pandemic. Everybody's drinking. <laughs> you don't even have to go to work. Yeah. You're getting money from the government. If you're going to do it, everyone will understand. Right. Nobody will fault you for relapsing right now. And I would That's get part X, those dude. thoughts in my head. And what did I do? I got wasted. I did a ton of heroin. I was like, no, no you didn't I didn't do that. Do that. Of I was going to say, did you do that? Because I, I don't remember you doing that. I didn't do that. You didn't do that. What did I do? Um, <laughs> I fought it. And how did I fight it? I went running. I did push-ups. I was just like, I obsessed over my physical body. Because mm -hmm. partially I was looking in the mirror and I didn't like what I saw. So I said, I just did that. And, and it really, really worked. And I think that's sort of what Stutz is getting at here. But pouring all your energy into the physical stuff... It, 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 it puts things out of balance if you're not also doing the people and the, your relationship to yourself stuff. Right. So that's that's the middle part. Uh, it's more a pyramid than a triangle, right? So like yeah. body on the base, people in the middle, and yourself on top, or what? yours on top. Or, right. Your... So what does that mean, though? I forget. People and yours. People means you have to go out and do things with people. So, yeah. So th <laughs> That's <this>, horrifying. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because we know that in 12-step and in a lot of recovery programs, part of it is community. Right. Uh, being around other people, reaching out. You know, calling addiction your, is connection. Right. And, and so that's where he's, he's saying it's so important here. Relationships, he says, are like handholds to let yourself get pulled back into life. The key is to take the initiative. So he says, you know, you're in this state where you don't know what to do with yourself. You don't know what to do next. You're depressed. You just want to keep drinking. Your job sucks, whatever it is. Mm. He says part of accessing your life force, like let's say you don't or you've already done your 20 push-ups. You run around the block. You're like, now what? He says, reach out to someone. Yeah. And he says it doesn't matter. Like you call someone, it could be your best friend. It could be someone you despise. Like just, it could be a stranger. Yeah. He says it's the initiative that you take. That action of reaching out is enough. 
to make that positive change. But um, yeah, I like I, how he I thinks like the person that you're reaching out to represents the whole human race. Yeah. Which was a really right. deep kind of like, oh, yeah. Right. I, I like that. You but know. we've explored that. That, I, that concept, too, that there really is not much of a difference between us and others, right? Yeah. It, it's because you reach out to one person, you're reaching out to yourself, really. Right. You're reaching out to your inner self. And this can also be done with, like, 12-step um, work, <laughs> reaching out, uh, helping someone else, listen to a friend's problems. I mean, just being a good listener. Call up a friend and say, tell me your, tell tell your problems. Tell me Everything. Or, Dump your shit on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is another way to access your life force. It's by reaching out, you know, like, yeah. um, and that's sort of, that's the second part. That's kind of how I feel about doing the sober, uh, sober together, sober together app every day. I feel like that's like sort of my putting stuff, little stuff out into the universe. Yeah. And then they reply back to you yeah. and now you're making yeah. this connection with. I didn't realize how much I, I needed something like that. You know what I mean? It's interesting. Like yeah. we have this thing. And this thing is our recovery thing. and But then that's a different recovery thing. Right. And I've, I've not had another recovery thing before. It's really. another like, tool. Yeah. It's a tool. Yeah. Not everybody on there is a tool. But no. it is a tool. It is a tool. And that's what you hear about when people talk about how much they love their AA meetings. Yeah. It's that connection. Right. You know, maybe they don't. You know, it's the same thing I say about church. People go, oh, you, you're a Christian. You must hate, you know, this and that. And no, no, no. I'm not that dogmatic. You know, I like the church because it's a place where I connect with other people who want to help people. And that's yeah. it. You know, and it's good people. It's just connecting. It's making myself be with other people for a higher purpose. You yeah. Know? And, uh, and so doing these kinds of things, it really does affect you positively. It Your does. life force yeah. gets... And then you and what can about feel the, it. What about the your part, like the, the top of the pyramid? The your part uh, is yourself, your higher self. Sometimes we think of what is it Jung would talk about, your higher self. Was that a Jungian thing? Um, it's, it's you. It's meditation. A big part of how he talks about, that didn't make sense. He says to access yourself, a great way is to write. And we have oh, heard yeah. that over yeah. and over to journal, to write. Um, and he says these things and I'm like, I knew that, mm -hmm. you know, like all of this stuff, probably a lot of you out there are going, that's not that genius. You know, I heard that before. I knew that I was supposed to do that. But just the way he frames it, I think is super. If, does anybody helpful. do it? <laughs> I, I don't know. Is anybody know, knowing about it and doing it are two different things. So he says it does. Writing can enhance your relationship with yourself, and it doesn't matter. What, it's, again, it's the effort, yeah, not the outcome. Yeah, just sit down and, and produce. It, it's like a mirror, he says, to your unconscious, with which you can learn about your hidden self. So in just that act of writing, you are accessing your inner self and. Maybe, you know, you write, you don't know what you're going to write and whatever comes out, you can read it and then you can say, oh, I didn't, you know, you can see it from another perspective. Yeah, it's, I've, I think I've, we've spoken before about the, that modality called the artist's way, which uh, by this woman named Julia Cameron. And it's um, it basically it's the design of the book is to help you get sort of unstuck, uh, to help you gain self-confidence and, and harness your creative talents. And, and basically the. Uh, the bedrock of that program is that every morning when you wake up, you sit down and you write freehand three pages of sort of stream of consciousness, whatever's going through your head. And people who, um, who I've 
heard of who have done this process. And I, I did it for a little while, but I, I eventually found it to be too much to do in the morning. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, people say it's amazing. Like, all you have to do is just put the pen to the paper and all the shit comes out. Like, all this stuff that's stuck inside that you didn't even know was a, was bothering you. Just yeah. it's, it's like, it just flows out of you. And and I guess that's what uh, what Stutz is talking about here. It's like, you just, all you have to do is, is, is set that in motion and the stuff will sort of resolve itself because yeah. it, it, it'll work itself out on paper. It's a fascinating thing. I'm going to start doing that again. I really need to. Yeah, journaling at any time in any rehab I've been to, any program I've done, uh, writing is always a part of it. Yeah. Always. And it's always the one part I never want to do, but when I do it, I'm like, I like that. Yeah. You know, I like the writing. It, um, is, it does take some time, and, and you really have to be sort of committed. That's the thing with all these tools, right? Like, you have to be... You have to be the kind of person that like can visualize stuff, and not everybody is really good at that. Right? You know, some people think need a, like a more practical thing. They need to work off of lists. They need to work on right. stuff that's in their present consciousness, not like visualization of all the love in the world coming into your body and spreading it out across the universe, which is also a very Buddhist thing, well, by the way. Explain that to me because I I watched that in the video. And he explains it, but I don't fully understand what he was getting at with, uh, it's like you take the person that you hate the most. Right. And and this is another thing in Christianity, we say pray for your enemies type of thing. It's Mm -hmm. like showing love. the secular version of praying for your enemy. All right. He (laughs) says like if there's someone in your life who is upsetting you or makes you angry for one reason, I'm sure everyone out there, you know, in Munsterland has a person or... Something that you that makes you upset, and he says the way that you move past that or make yourself feel better about that person is what is it to picture all of the love and it? Like, do you remember? Yeah, I think he said picture bringing all the love in the universe into your self, gathering it all, and then giving it to that other person, and then giving all yeah. the love in the universe, right, to the person that you the have purified, the most beautiful love that you can fathom. It's all in you, and then yeah. you see that person who you're not thinking so great about, and you give it to them. Now, I think some people have a much easier time doing yeah. something like that, and I'm not talking about giving the love to someone you hate, which seems, you know, that could be difficult in and of itself, but the whole idea that you can just visualize all the love in the universe coming into you and then giving it out to somebody, I mean, maybe it, maybe this works with ac- actors and, and you know, people in the arts who, who have a, um, a deeper relationship with, with the idea of visualizing you know, scenarios that don't actually exist in real life because that's part of their stock and trade. Mm. But I think, I think there's a lot of people that, that have issues visualizing like that. I mean, I tried it when he said, you know, I think probably a lot of people who saw the movie sat down and tried some of this stuff. And, uh, I don't know. It didn't really do anything huh. for me. Like I, <laughs> you know, and and I have meditated on loving kindness as, as yeah. sort of a Buddhist practice before, and and very few times can I actually get that feeling of love, like going. So I don't know how practical huh. it is. For yeah, most people. Yeah, that's interesting. Well. I guess it's it's one of those things. It's like different strokes for different folks. Yeah. And maybe right. this is... Well, and that's why we look at this stuff and we go, oh, I knew that. I know how, that you're supposed to do that. But it's like he is playing to a very specific patient that he... Like like you said, you're people a specific who need, audience. A specific yeah. audience. And, you know, and, and that's sort of like the other... The other critique maybe I have of this whole situation is that, you know, it's very nice if you can... Uh, afford a Phil Stutz or, you know, 
psychiatrist to bounce these kind of ideas off right. of. Uh, but, you know, access to mental health, uh, you know, uh, professionals in this country is limited by uh, resources, you know, and people in Hollywood have yeah. a lot, you know, they can go sit with this guy who probably does not charge a small amount of money for an hour and he can be taught the visualization tools. Maybe that's why Jonah, well, Jonah Hill says that's why he made the movie because he wants to make this accessible to more people. Well, you need is and, a Netflix subscription. Yeah, well, but you can't really, I mean, I, I would be uh, hesitant to recommend that you try and fix your mental health issues by watching this documentary. I mean, I think oh, yeah. you could go out and, and buy the book. I mean, he wrote a book called The Tools, yeah. and the tools are in there. And he's and the website is actually really good. Uh, it's like thetools.com or something. I have I'll, to check that out. I'll put I it in the look, show notes. Yeah. But but so, so when I was tooling around on the website... Wah, wah. Wait, no, listen... Shh. Nice. I got it. It sounds good too. Yeah, it does. It's like really crisp. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So he has he has listed on his website a number of tools for impulse control and addiction, and um, there's one that he has called the Black Sun Tool. Okay. Mm. And so the Black Sun Tool, in brief, is um, it's about deprivation, emptiness, fullness, and giving. Right. It's four steps. So so. Okay, I'll just run it down really quick. Mm. So deprivation, you're supposed to feel the deprivation of not getting what you want as intensely as possible. So I Mm. want to go drinking. I want to drink all of the booze in the fucking world. I'm going to feel the deprivation. I can't have it. I want it. I can't have it. Then you let go of the thing that you want. Forget about the outside world as a source of anything that will fill you up inside. You let it disappear. Like, I really, really want it. So I guess sometimes, somehow you're supposed to do mental gymnastics to then let go of that thing. Right. I don't want it, right? Then when you're empty of that thing, you look, this is step two, emptiness. Look inside yourself. What was a feeling of deprivation is now an endless void. Face it and remain calm and still. Mm. Third step, fullness. From the depths of the void, imagine a, a black sun ascends expanding inside you until you become one with its warm, limitless energy. Hmm. Final step, giving. Redirect your attention to the outside world. The black sun energy will overflow, surging out of you. As it enters the world, it becomes a pure white light of infinite giving. So what do you think? You think that'll cure your addiction? I think, you know, for me, that would be a really helpful tool. When I'm trying to think back to myself and the things that I was looking for, the things that I responded to when I was in my acute stage of, you know, substance use disorder and when I was grasping at straws, maybe that would have been really helpful for me. I think more, it's more a unique, than like naltrexone, say. I think I think I would use them together. Yeah. Um, I think that's for sure. The I don't think there's a well for me it's like I needed everything. I need a bouillon base and that would be a nice ingredient. A bouillon base. Yeah. That would be a nice ingredient. A fish soup if you will, I of will. recovery. <laughs> I certainly will. A clam, a mussel, yeah. perhaps a, a piece of cod. I'd like a lobster claw maybe Ooh, in there. Yeah. Got to have some yeah. some maybe a shrimp or two. I don't mind the calamari in there. Even though it's the, always the one that you don't, I you like know. calamari. You're right when with it's the not like, fried, the tentacles. I, oh, you know, in the soup. I, I the always little... eat the tentacles. Nobody else eats them. Yeah, I'm a tentacle. My eater. family does not eat the tentacles, but I digest. <laughs> um, we are off topic. So um, yeah, I really, I really like the way he's framing things. I think this is easily seen as another one of these pop, uh, pop therapy things, and I, like you know, the secret. Uh, or, you know, all right. of these things that come out. Um, 
what's the the most famous one? It's like the power of now, you know, appreciating the moment, you know, and how do you do that and reframing how you picture your reality, all that kind of thing. I think this fits in nicely. It's a nice addition to these kinds of it's good stuff, pop man. therapy tools that you can access. I recommend it just because it's a really interesting exercise in just kind of looking back at how you've recovered or how you're currently recovering. And you can take some of these ideas and, and use them on a daily basis. You know, maybe I'll do Now I can think of things in the terms of the physical, the outreach, and the self. And, you know, that, that would help me, I think, just on a daily basis, trying to deal with these things. So out of, um, out of five cup, cups of mead, how many do you give the movie? The cups of mead, I give it um, four cups of mead. Okay. One cup of butter beer, <laughs> and a third cup of non-alcoholic Guinness. I think I'm at like three point seven five cups of mead. Yeah. Because I thought the movie was good, but it wasn't great. I think it could have been a little more. Um, I don't know. A little. It was a little repetitive. Yeah. In terms of Jonah Hill talking about stuts and the therapy and and everything and i think they could have fleshed out the tools a little bit more yeah but uh but i but i think it was kind of a little bit inchoate in terms of what it wanted to focus on was it was it a documentary about stuts was it a documentary about jonah hills working with stuts was it a documentary about the tools it was a documentary on the process too like yes that's what i didn't like about it you know at some point in the documentary i don't want to ruin it for you but there's a revelation mm-hmm. and they're feeling like they're not being honest and yada yada. And he's like, I want to bring the, 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 the audience into the process of making the documentary. And I'm like, maybe we didn't need to do that. Yeah. I would have liked, you know, just lie to me a little bit. Just make me think this is one session. That's fine. Like the idea we is didn't need Jonah tools. Hill's mother in there either. Right. <laughs> you know, so right. documentary itself is, is not a hundred percent of just about these tools. It becomes a documentary about the relationship between Jonah. And a lot of people will find that very interesting. And, and I did somewhat, yeah. you know, but the, I always liked him. The, the, the meat of the issue is these, um, is the tools and working with the tools and visualizing it. So go out and watch it. It's on Netflix. Um, if we're going to do recovery, uh, in the news, um, yeah. And that was, <laughs> what was stuts. That? Yeah. Recovery in the news. <laughs> yeah. All right. Recovery in been a while since we uh had that yeah effect in there and recovery in the news so recovery in the news I, I grabbed a story this week that kind of jumped out at me um because it it's really kind of speaks to the larger issue of of uh sober curious movement and all that kind of thing uh apparently uh and this is from the uh um uh the columbus ohio dispatch okay. and um, in Columbus, Ohio, there was a bar called the Dry Mill, um, which served non-alcoholic mocktails and food, and it was a sober bar, mm-hmm. so no alcoholic beverages whatsoever, um, and it aimed to create a space for sober people in a bar environment, which is their sort of tagline, uh, announced a couple of days ago that it was going to have to close uh, after about a year in business because it couldn't um, operate 
based on current level of customers. So um, the two partners who started it, owners David Payne and Colin Thomas, raised ten thousand uh, dollars on Kickstarter oh, to wow. um, to sort of get the get the thing underway. And they, I, I saw a couple pictures of the place. You go in, it looks like a bar. Uh, a dry bar. A dry bar, huh. right? And, um, you know, there have been successful dry bars. Like the Virgin Mary in Dublin kind of stands out as probably the the, the standard bearer of, of, of dry bars. Um, but I think they have more of a pub culture over there than they do in Columbus, yeah. Ohio. And yeah. having been in downtown Columbus, Ohio for work, which is where this was located, um, I don't see how they could have gotten the foot traffic down there, you know, regardless. Right. But... Um, one thing I did find interesting was on Facebook, um, when they announced they were closing, they had over you know, 300 comments about how, how much the space meant to them, uh, and because it was a place that they could go right. and sit down. And But I started thinking, like, you know, the business model is a little weird, isn't it? Hmm. Because replicating a bar environment with just sober drinks, like, is that... Is that what the sober community needs as a space to get together? Because I was originally very excited by the idea of going to a sober bar, sitting at a sober bar, having a sober bar drink and maybe some wings and watching like a game on TV or something. Right. And then I'm like, would I really enjoy doing that? Because the only reason I liked going to bars in the first place to was get to the get alcohol. fucked up. And, right. You know? And... I guess like people were having birthday parties there. They were having like like Alcoholics Anonymous meetings there and stuff. Right. And unlike a lot of these places that are open by like sober curious people who are just like you know in this for the health shtick, right. these two guys were actually in the program and came out of an alcoholic history right. and and everything. So um, you know, I, I just wonder: is there? Do you think there is a space for these kind of establishments? Yes, and um, should there be? So I, when I hear all of this, the first thing I think of is what was wrong with like the coffee bars that had the guitar players once in a while, open mic nights. You know that was a that was a sober bar, wasn't it? Like when coffee shops were cool and yeah, um, that's what I picture. I'm like let let's just do that. You know, <laughs> I, well, you have like an open mic night and there's great coffee drinks and it's you know not all alcohol or zero alcohol. Yeah, it's a place to hang out. It's a little more quiet. It's not raucous. It they doesn't have, have to be a bar. It does right? not have to be a bar. And I get why they're doing it. Part of it is. It's marketing. You want to bring people over to the sober side of things. You say, we have bars too. Right. You know, because a person who's actively drinking and that they're living that lifestyle, they, I've heard this before. That's why I'm saying this is people yeah. say like, oh, I'm in a dart league. You know, I got to go to the bar for the darts. You right. Know? What if there was a dart league at a drive bar? And then yeah. You, you know, so I get why they did it. But for me, and I think you, I think we would appreciate more of like a game board cafe type of place. Well, you know, and it, Sort of like, um, like I've heard fake meat, like described as like a transition right. substance between like going fully plant based diet and right. being a carnivore. Maybe a place like this is a good transition spot for someone who's leaving the bars right. and finding what their new life is all about. And for for this place, it sounds like it's also an entree into recovery of some kind. Well, you know? and, and and 
in Payne and Thomas, in their goodbye message, wrote that we witnessed people get sober in our building, they said. And, and meeting each of you and learning your stories is the reason we opened the dry mill, continue to normalize sobriety and giving a helping hand to those in need. So these guys had a mission and, yeah. and, and more, more power to them. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little sad that they couldn't support it, like the, the community couldn't support it. But I also wonder if there's like a ton of people who have recovered from their alcohol issues who have left the whole lifestyle behind yeah. and are not going to go to a place like that just to get wings when they can get wings somewhere else in a place that's not necessarily a bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So... I agree. I think it's is. Um, I don't know. I'm heartened to see these kinds of places open. Saddened to see them closed. But yeah, I would rather they yeah. exist than not exist. But, I guess you know, is what I'm saying. The point is well taken. Is it something? Maybe we just don't need this. Maybe this yeah. is a little. Or maybe bit, you need it. Maybe it's like training wheels on a bike, and yeah. you, and you need it, and then you don't need it. And if that's the case, is there like a from a business perspective, is it a good business to open up? Because you're always going to have people cycling through. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, we'd like to hear your comments on this. Write us at Mike R <laughs> at middleagesrecovery.com and someone will get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's recovery, recovery in the news. news. Uh, yeah. All right. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Well, that about does it for today. I know I had a great time. Did you? Thank you so much for listening. Yes, yes. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. So tweet us at twat, you twit. Support your favorite show. Drop us a five-star review. Join the private Facebook group. Buy a t-shirt if it works. <laughs> we got to start mailing out some of the ones that have yeah. already been ordered. <laughs> or simply write and say, hello, we love meeting new monsters and chopping it up on the Facebook group. You can join. We have a, a Patreon account now. This is going to be the launch pad for a lot of discussions that we do on the show. We use a lot of content that we, you know, and the discussions we have. The book club is open right yeah. now. We, uh, I think there's... People are discussing Matthew Perry's uh, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Bad Terrible thing. Right. So you can join that. Um, I'll send you the Discord link if you send me an email. It's great fun. Um the Inner Sanctum is accessed at patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages. I think we, we're going to reopen the Patreon because yeah, we we'll be are doing, reopening the show, basically. Right. Um, <laughs> we, we do. We did a bunch of these. So if you're new to us, there's like about six or seven video episodes on there. Some mm-hmm. of the interviews we did with authors and luminaries are on there in video. And join us. Just um, come recover with us. That's why we're doing this. We're not uh, in it for the money. That's for sure. We're in it to (laughs) connect with you. We're in it to connect with each other and to just be recovered and live our best lives. And finally, the best way to to help the show is to share it with a friend. Uh, If you get something out of our show, guys, share it with another person and help grow the RMA movement. And as we say, non proficiat perfecto. That's progress, not perfection. See you next time. Stay fresh, cheese bags.